So hey, welcome to our January uh, 2021 meeting for the Google Educator Group of Ohio. This is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in G Suite from the last month. We share Google tips and tricks and we answer questions related to using Google tools in school. My name is Eric Kurtz and I'm a technology integration specialist at the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium or SPARC for short. We're an information technology center serving schools in Northeast Ohio. I'm also joined by Stephanie and John today. Stephanie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Howe. I'm from Pickerington, Ohio, and I work at Pickerington Local Schools. And John. Hi, I'm John Mansell Plattle, and uh, I am located up in Archbold, Ohio, and uh, work in the, with the schools in the northwest region of Ohio. Awesome. Stephanie and John are co-leaders. Uh, we also have Sarah Kiefer, who is a, a co-leader, not with us right at the moment, may be able to join us later. We'll see how her schedule works out, but I can't say thanks enough to everything that Stephanie, John, and Sarah do to help support this group. Although we're all Ohio people, we do want to make sure you know this meeting is open to anyone inside or outside of Ohio. As long as you have an interest in using Google tools in school, you are welcome to be with us. Uh, quick uh, housekeeping here. All of the resources for today's meeting can be found in our Google Doc editable agenda, which can be located on the GEG Ohio website. If you're not in the agenda yet, you can get to that um, at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. That'll take you to the homepage of the GEG Ohio website. And from there, simply scroll down to the monthly meetings uh, section. And once you get there, if you look in that agenda or the uh, table there, you'll see uh, all of our meetings. Here's our January 28th meeting for today. And if you go across, there's the agenda link that'll get you to that document. This is an editable document. So please feel free to contribute to this. Um, as we mentioned before, three good areas to probably drop things in would be upcoming events. If you know about a conference or a training or anything that you want people to be aware of an upcoming event for them to plug into. Another great section is the Q&A section where you can ask questions or give answers. And then lastly, under show and tell, if you go all the way down to the community show and tell, this is a great place for you to add some resources or ideas, uh, anything that you wanna share with the group. We appreciate that so very much. All right. Um, in addition to that, we do have the live chat going on in the YouTube, so please feel free to share there. And of course, you can also just leave comments in the document that works better for you as well. But with all that said, let's go ahead and get going into our meeting here. Um, so a couple of little housekeeping things. Uh, we've already done some welcome and introductions. Um, I do want to mention under important links, we always mention this each month, is that we do have a sign-in form. Um, this sign-in form allows us to do two things. It allows us to send you a certificate of attendance um, in case that is something that you would like to get some hours for this meeting. Uh, typically, these are two hours long, so I do get a PDF and send that out to you. It also allows us to send numbers into Google to let them know how many people are attending our meetings. We don't share your contact information with Google, just the numbers. Um, we do ask though in the, um, the form here for your email address so that I can send you the certificate of attendance. So what I would encourage you to do um, now or at some point throughout the meeting, if you get a moment to go to the important links section, highlighted in green, click on the link for the Google user group sign-in. And once you get there, just fill that out. Pick today's date. And of course, we're online. <laughs> we used to have in-person meetings. <laughs> so that used to be one of the things there. There's an option there though to also indicate if this is your first time joining us, that is something Google is interested in. So uh, I'd encourage you to fill that out when you get a moment to do so. 
Um, next up, we have a section on updates, and um, this is basically where we just remind people to join our our Google group. Uh, we are up to 939 members at the moment. That is fantastic. So we have a, a Google group email distribution uh, list for GEG Ohio. There are directions here on how to sign up for that. It is a very active group. People are sharing resources, asking questions, and supporting people all the time. It's a fantastic way to stay connected in between the meetings, to share things, and to get help from each other. Next up, we have our upcoming events. Um, Stephanie, why don't you share a little bit about some of these that you are aware of with uh, what we have coming up? Yeah, so we have OETC um, coming up in, I believe, two weeks. And you'll find probably me and Eric in the Google room. I'm sure Eric will be in there. Um, we're both presenting. I'm presenting on Jamboard. And Eric, are you presenting anything? Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, several Google sessions. I tried to think what would make sense for, you know, what people might need at this time. And so I, I, I doing one on uh, Google Meet, doing one on Google Classroom, uh, doing one on um, Google tools for uh, struggling students. And I think I got another one too. <laughs> I don't remember what it is at the moment, uh, but I was trying to pick things that I thought, you know, these will be helpful, especially with remote learning and so forth. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so the conference is a week long. So at the beginning, and then they decided that they're going to keep it going until June. So um, the kickoff week is February 8th through the 12th. And these are going to be um, different sessions. These are like the top scoring sessions. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But then the learning doesn't stop. And they're going to keep offering sessions until June 2021. And this, um, to sign up, it's free. So there is no cost this year. So you can just sign up and enjoy the sessions. I believe all sessions are going to be recorded or they're gonna be pre-recorded um, for your viewing. So make sure you do sign up to get access to all of these great sessions. And then- That is, that is fantastic, especially the fact that it's free um, and that it'll be going on through June. Um, I do understand that normally if you're a presenter, you get you know comped for you know, going to the conference, but since the conference is free this year, anybody that is presenting, I believe is getting a discount toward next year's, hopefully in-person conference. That's fantastic. Uh, what else do we have here, Stephanie? And then the other, um, there's a couple other conferences, but down at the bottom, we have Learning with Google event. Um, so this is coming up in February as well. So Google in the summer, it was like in August, they did a session um, where it was like kickoff to the school year. And so they're doing a similar um, conference and this is February 17th through the 18th. And I'm sure there may be some upcoming on their roadmap, uh, maybe, I don't know. I have not heard anything about what is going to be on their agenda, but I'm sure they will be sharing a ton of news with us. That's fantastic. And very, again, very it's good. completely free. Excellent. Yes, and so then, go ahead and sign up for that. I've, I've already signed up for it, so mine says thanks for registering, <laughs> but uh, you guys can register there. And then the last thing I just wanted to bring up um, was the town hall. So we had a town hall back in, I believe, November, and a lot of members said that they loved the town hall. So I just quickly threw an interest survey. Um, would you like another town hall? What problem would you like to solve during this town hall? And then what month would be best to host a town hall? 
Um, so just let us know if this is something that you want to continue to do or maybe not. I think it was great. I really like changing up the format like that, getting people to get into breakout uh, groups. Um, really nice. Yeah, I, I think that was, uh, you, you did such a fantastic job organizing that. So I think that'd be awesome to do that again. Yeah. Uh, besides those, a couple other quick things. Uh, Neotech is up in my neck of the woods, um, and it will be virtual this year. Um, and there are some links here to uh, keep an eye on uh, information as that gets announced. And going on um, throughout February is also TCA and IdeaCon. They've teamed up together. It is all virtual. There is a cost associated with it, um, but um, because they're putting both TCA from Texas and IdeaCon from Illinois together, it is going to be a massive collection of, of sessions. So maybe worth taking a look at. And then, uh, John, I know you've been... Uh, uh, Tapping into FETC, um, I did sign up for that as well. It is uh, free this year, but I have not had a chance to catch any of the stuff yet. I don't know if you wanted to mention anything about that, John. Don't mean to put you on the spot. I see you had put in the chat that you've been watching those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's been um, so far, they've done a different format than what they usually do. So they have some events are truly live. Uh, a lot of the Apple um, stuff is truly live, and so there isn't a recording of that. But all the keynotes are recorded, and they're typically 45 minutes um, of a, a recorded presentation that gets um, enabled at the scheduled time. So if the keynote's at 11 o'clock, uh, there was one this morning, um, and actually it was Dr. Jill Seiler, who is from Texas, and she is a, a superintendent uh, who's part of the uh, the Future Ready uh, program, and it was an excellent, excellent session that she did this morning uh, for 45 minutes, and then she's live answering questions for 15 minutes afterwards, and that's been the format that they do for their keynotes. There's been uh, a keynote in the morning and in the evening, and those are definitely well worth it just to watch those, uh, but there are also uh, lots of other sessions from most of the major vendors that we're used to um, there's not a big Google presence there that I've seen, but certainly Microsoft and um, Apple are well represented. So if you wanted um, some CEUs and you're looking to, to get some good ideas, especially about moving forward after COVID and, and what some of the thinking is, then I think it's an excellent opportunity. Uh, just go to the FETC website and sign up and then you'll have access for the next 30 days uh, for all of the videos that are on there, plus the presentations you can download. Um, they're at the bottom of the page, as well as the certificates if you need uh, CEUs. John, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, as much as there's you know, been challenges, obviously, with, with COVID and it's changed our lives in so many ways, I try to look for the positive on things. And um, I have liked this new twist on things, like with, um, with ISTE this year. Um, all of the sessions that got recorded are now available for like the next six months. And so I found myself just picking them off little by little by little. I'll, you know, be cooking dinner and I'll, you know, put on a session, you know, and, and that's something that I would not have been able to do in the past because it's like, okay, well, you see the ones you can. And if you don't get to see them, ISTE's over, you know, but I, I'm excited about this. And I wonder if even as we move forward to do more face-to-face -face things, if recording sessions maybe can become the norm, um, even for face-to-face -face things, so that people can do a hybrid approach and then they can catch sessions afterwards that they missed. Um, I've really been appreciating that. It's been nice to have that option. All right, 
Fantastic. Well, hey, let's keep on moving. And if anybody has anything else to add, please go ahead and again, throw in anything you want to put in the upcoming events. Uh, we'd love to hear about other trainings and opportunities you're aware of. So we're going to move into our what's new in Google uh, section. Normally we do this once a month, but since December was a, a um, you know a holiday month uh, and not a lot happened and we we're all kind of busy with uh, with family and so forth, we did not have a meeting in, uh, in December. So this is actually catching up everything from the end of November, right after our November meeting, all through December, and up through January up to uh, today. <laughs> so anything that Google has announced, uh, we're not obviously going to go through every single one of these. Uh, instead, we have bolded some that seem to jump out to us as some that we wanted to highlight. However, if you guys have questions or comments on any of these, please let us know. And of course, you can click on the resource links to any of these if you want to get more details on them. Um, but usually Stephanie and I just bounce back and forth on these. Uh, John, you are certainly welcome to uh, to add, <laughs> add your comments comments uh, to this as well. Stephanie, did you want to get us started off with our um, first news item that we've decided to highlight? Yeah, so the first thing is Google Meets um, with our breakout rooms. So I don't know how many people have Enterprise and have been using the breakout rooms feature. I know a lot of my teachers have, but they added a couple new features um, back in December. So Ask for Help has been really helpful because a lot of times students were in these breakout rooms and they needed help but there was no way to tell the teacher. So they would either have to come back to the main room to tell them, or now they can just simply push a button. And then the teacher is able to float between those rooms and assist students as needed. So this tool has really been helpful for teachers in order to get to their students faster. The next one is a timer and a countdown. So with the timer and the countdown, um, teachers are able to set like a 10 minute countdown and then 30 seconds, a little bar will pop up and it will say, it will start counting down until the students need to return to the main room, which is again, helpful to wrap up those conversations. Students can see, okay, we're in our groups for 10 minutes. We have to do this task. Okay, now we only have five minutes, so we really need to focus. And then 30 seconds, so they can start to wrap up and add closure to their conversations. And then the next part was, um, this was really interesting because I didn't realize this was not a thing until our town hall. So when we had our town hall, we used breakout rooms and there was someone on the cell phone that had to join um, through the web. So now you're able to dial in and you're able to go into a breakout room. That's fantastic. Uh, question for you, Stephanie, um, yeah. since you are using uh, breakout rooms uh, quite a bit. I mean, I've used them here and there, but not near as much as you. If you do like the time, the timer countdown, which I've used that um, once or twice, and it ends, I know it pops up on the screen for the student says, you know, this session, you know, it, it's over or whatever, and it gives them a link to go back to the main room. Nothing forces them to go back though, does it? I mean, if they just sit on that screen, like I tested that once and I just sat as like a demo student and I never clicked the button. Is there any way to force a student to come back to the main? I don't think so. I think the only way would be for the teacher to come in the room and say, all right, let's go. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking yeah. is, you know, you would just have to join it and say, hey, what is going on here? And of course you yeah. could probably kick them out of that, but then they'd be completely out of everything. I was just making sure I wasn't missing something there. Um, yeah, it didn't, maybe, and maybe that would get added at some yeah. point. That, yeah, okay. I would hope that would get added. All right, very good, thanks. 
Well, next up, um, as far as things we've highlighted anyway, is uh, Google Docs improving the importing of PDFs with images, tables, and advanced formatting. So this one, I was really impressed by how much of a um, improvement has come through this. So if you've uploaded PDFs to Google Drive in the past, um, one thing you're probably familiar with is the ability to convert that into a Google document. So for example, let me drag one over here. Here is a um, photo photosynthesis uh, PDF. This is not something I made, just something I found as an example. And if I go to open this up in Google Drive, I'll get a preview, but then you can click open with, and then you can include, choose Google Docs. And you know that's how it's always been. That, that There's nothing new about that. What's new is how well it converts the PDF into a Google Doc. They're now doing a much better job importing the images, keeping the textiles, uh, you know, columns, tables, things like that. So for example, here's this photosynthesis one here. If I come here and I click on open with Google Docs and give it a moment to convert it, um, it's very encouraging how, how well it converts it. So here it comes up. And there we go. Now it's not perfect, okay? I, I realize it's not perfect. There's some formatting that needs fixed a little bit, but it brought the picture in, it's got the bold, it's got um, the table down here, including an image in the table. And so sure, I need to go through and yeah, some things are on the wrong side. I need to you know, put in some, some line breaks and I need to uh, justify some things to the left or the right, however it might be. But of course you can go in and do that yourself very easily as you need to. But wow, it's really come a long way. So uh, very happy to see how well that, uh, that improvement has come in with PDF imports. All right, what do we have here next? The next up is Google Sites, but I wanted to um, oh, mention a comment from the chat. Nicole said that if you close out a breakout room, the student will have to come to the main room. So that could be a workaround um, for that student that didn't come back. You would just go into the edit breakout rooms and then exit it out and then they would come back. So thank you, Nicole, for sharing that. I really do appreciate that. And then with Enterprise, um, one of our GEG members said that they have not received breakout rooms. Do you know if that's an admin setting, Eric, or um, should she talk to her Google rep? Um, I do not believe that's an admin setting. I was just in the Google Meet admin settings earlier today on a completely separate topic looking for something. And I don't remember seeing breakout rooms in there. It's just like, you know, do you want to let people be able to live stream? Do you want to let them be able to record? It's those sort of things. So I would say, um, yeah, if they, if, boy, I mean, I can't imagine why breakout rooms wouldn't have shown up by now. So yeah, they should, they should uh, contact Google or their enterprise reseller um, between the two to make sure. Now, keep in mind, and I, I, I don't mean to speak for this person because I'm, I'm sure they know this, but just in general for everybody, remember you have to um, assign the enterprise licenses. So just purchasing the enterprise licenses uh, is just the first step. After that, then you have to go in and assign them to individual users. And then the users have the enterprise features. And so you can have a mix. You can have some people in your school who have been given enterprise and others who have not. It is up to the G Suite admin to assign those. And so that could be another thing to just 
double check, make sure there hasn't been a breakdown in that process and maybe the licenses did not get properly assigned. And that's also done in the admin console. There's a CSV file that you upload that goes through and assigns, it, it provisions those licenses to the users. Yeah, and everybody in the chat, we really do appreciate you helping out. Um, they're just answering the same way that you did. Check the licensing, make sure everyone was assigned a license. Um, so we really do appreciate all of your help um to the community oh yeah that's that's the beauty of the group uh, there's yes. somebody yeah. always multiple people always have great ideas all right so now we're going to talk about sites yeah. um so google sites um i love sites but also hated sites because you couldn't customize the text and i am such a text person um eric i don't know if you know sadie lewis i don't um, she is amazing. I found out about her at ISTE. I went to one of her sessions on design and she kind of connected it with education. And so if you have an ISTE membership, look up Sadie Lewis. Um, she is amazing and you will learn so much from her session. And she, after ISTE, did a session on fonts. And I learned a lot about fonts that I didn't know I needed to know about. And she talked about like the um, families of fonts and how a lot of times teachers don't match like the font families and kids really struggle with um, reading or talking about like dyslexia and what fonts to use to help those learners read better. And so it was a really great session. Um, I think she recorded it. I don't know where it's at, but look her up on Twitter and I'm sure she can help us out. Um, but back to Google Sites, you can now customize those sites. So students, teachers, whoever has a site is able to go in and change the font so that it looks a little bit more cleaner and it fits your personality or what you're trying to get a, your point across. Um, so a really great update with Google. That is fantastic. We've been waiting for that for a long time. Yes, that was yeah. something the old classic sites had that ability to go in and micromanage the font and the formatting and stuff. So, oh, how nice to have that now available in sites. Very good. All right, gonna clean up, uh, <laughs> clean up my page here a little bit, end up getting a few too many things open <laughs> as this meeting goes on. All right, let's see what's up next. Next up, some Google Meet settings are now sticky for education users. Okay, so what does that mean? So here's the idea behind this. Um, when you create a Google Meet and you exit that Meet, and then re-enter the same Google Meet. It used to be that going back into the same Meet was like starting fresh. Anything you had done in the Meet prior was, you know, th those settings were not kept. Well, now if you open up a Google Meet and you look at these, uh, at least these three, there may be some other ones, but these three for sure have been highlighted. If you do things such as changing the quick access setting, or preventing students from sharing their screen or preventing students from, from sending chat messages. And all of those are in your regular settings inside of Google Meet. If you change any of those and then you exit the Meet and then return to that same meeting, those settings will stay selected. So basically you could 
you know, have a meet scheduled for later that day and you could jump in it ahead of time, you know, because once you have the link, you can just open it up anytime and you could preset some of these things. Probably a big one would be like the quick access because when quick access is turned on, then people can join your meet much easier, like people from your domain, where if instead you turn that off, then they have to ask permission to be able to join. And that can be another way to help manage people jumping into the meet without you. So um, heads up, it does look like they've updated. Oh, they were just saying that the rollout was getting pushed back a little bit, but I think we're well past that now. So uh, that may help you with some of your Google Meet uh, sessions to manage those ahead of time before the students get into them. All right. Oh, oh this is a great one. What's his next one here, Stephanie? Oops, I think you're muted. I'm muted. Yep. Okay. So on this one, we're going to be looking into Google um, Google Docs and adding different watermarks, images behind text, and mixed portrait and landscape pages. Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, and I don't know if this is rolled out entirely yet. Do you know, Stephanie, I think the mixed portrait and landscape has, but I don't think the image ones have yet. Do you, yeah, you I don't think the image ones have, but I'm not for sure. I haven't gotten those ones yet. Yeah. Um, but what you can see here is, oh, there we go, it's getting bigger. So you can see how you're able to um, change it to the different landscape sizes pretty quickly. And uh, again, less clicks, it's faster, less work you have to do on your end. And again, it's just a right click and then you can just change it from landscape to portrait. And what's awesome is how it's mixed where, yeah, in the past, it was like one or the other for the whole document. And now we can have a break in there where part of the document is, for example, portrait, and then part of the document, we switch over to landscape. Um, so that I know we have never had in the past where I think Word has done that forever, right? I mean, you've been able to add those section breaks and have, you know, a landscape page mixed in with the portrait pages. And now we have that inside of Google Docs. Um, what I was really excited about though, and I don't know that you're right, I think you're right. I don't think it has shown up yet either. And that is the idea of um, some of the changes to uh, images. Um, what do we know about that? Looks like we're getting um, the option for watermarks, which we've never had. And also- yeah, so that's gonna uh, be really interesting. Putting images behind text. We've never had that option, have we? Yeah, and I like the one that you were on um, with the G, so you can see the Google. Yeah. Like how it's right behind your text. So it, you can still read it and it has that image behind text and the watermarks. So this is really neat because that means we're moving Google Docs a lot closer to what we do in Google Slides and Google Drawings. Because I know sometimes we're gonna say, oh, I wanna do, you know, a project. I want to do a brochure. I want to do a newsletter. I want to do some, and I'm just getting frustrated in Google Docs. So I jump over to Google Slides or Drawings and I change the size to fit the page because Slides and Drawings lets you layer things, lets you order things. So you can push an image behind a text. We've never been able to do that in Docs. And it seems like, you know, silly that we can't because Word can do that. Um, looks like though, when this option comes, it could really open up some nice 
desktop publishing options for docs that we've deferred off to Google Slides in the past. And I think it's going to be hard for me to transfer back to docs because I so <laughs> yeah. often just go to slides and change the layout of it and then add my text because I love the text boxes of how I can put them. We don't have that system. yet, do we? Right. So we still need text boxes. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'll be switching. Yeah. But hey, we're we're making somebody small needs steps. It out there. Yeah, somebody we're making small steps toward it. And so I'm really glad to see that uh, it's bringing Google Docs more on par with what we've been able to do in Word for a long time. Well, that's going to get, I haven't seen that yet either. I think that one is still rolling out, but the mixed layouts, I have seen that uh, option to be able to do that. All right, up next, this is not a big thing. It's really just a heads up so, so you can maybe let people know so they don't get confused. Uh, it caught me the other day. <laughs> and that is when you go to open up a file, an attachment that has been sent in Gmail. That has now been streamlined. It's a little different. In the past, if you got an email message that had like a, you know, an Excel spreadsheet attached or um, a Word doc attached, what you would do in the past is you would click it, click on it, it would open a preview, then you would go up and you click open with Google Docs or Google Sheets. And it would do that, kind of like what I showed earlier with the PDF I put in my drive, same kind of thing. Well, now if you get an email with a file attached, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that anymore. So instead of clicking on it and getting the preview and from the preview saying, I want to open it with docs or sheets or slides. If you hover above the attachment in the email, there'll be a pencil icon there now. And when you click on that, then it will go ahead and open that up for you. And again, I got caught off guard because I was actually working on a new video <laughs> that I was putting together. And one day I clicked on, you know, the attachment and it opened one way. And then, you know, a couple days later, I click on it to record the video and it's not what it used to do. <laughs> so just heads up, you now have this happy little pencil icon that's gonna be on the attachment in Gmail. That, so that change has happened at least on my domain already. So not a big deal, but if it catches anybody off guard, just nice to be aware of some. And I love changes. those quick shortcuts. They make my life so like, oh, I want to save this to drive, but I don't want to look at it right now. Um, it's just a nice feature. Or maybe someone's on a Google Meet sharing their screen and then they share the presentation with you. You're like, okay, I can save that to my drive, but I want to focus right. on what I'm looking at. So I really do like that feature. All right. Well, let's keep on going. Looks like what did we pick next? as an interesting thing. Oh, how about this, Stephanie? You're up with Google Meet's landing page. All right, so Google Meet has a new looking page. If you go to meet.google.com, and this threw me off a little bit because I was looking um, for to start a meeting on the right-hand side and everything kind of moved to the left. <laughs> um, so it did throw me off at first. I was like, I'm not at the right page. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, but you can simply click new meeting once you have a new meeting, you can decide, do I want to create a meeting for later? Do I want to start an instant meeting or schedule in Google Calendar? Um, also, that nickname box, I thought you would click that drop down because it was green, but you just enter it right there. Um, so one of my teachers, he uses the nicknames for his meets. And I was like, where, where do I type it in at? Um, so it's right there. It's just that white box. So just a quick way to yeah. start a video conference. 
I think that's really nice because these are, we've had these options before, but having them all in one place makes a lot of sense because I know when it came to say like, oh, I want to create a meeting for later, you know, people felt like, well, how do I do that? Well, we'd say, well, just go to Google Meet and just start a meeting, take note of the link, and then just close out the meeting and the link's good. And that's just not that intuitive, you know, and by having it actually say, I just want the link for later. Uh, versus I want to start it right now versus I want to put it on my calendar. Yeah, that's that that's a nice cleaner approach to that. And where um, Eric has the meet image, the if your calendar has Google Meets already set up, they will just show up in this area. They're like green and then it's white. Um, and then you can just click to join instead of needing to go to your calendar. So if you're going to be in meets all day, this website meet.google.com might be more helpful because then you can just travel between the meetings rather than clicking your email or clicking calendar or whatever you need to do. Thanks for mentioning that. That's a really good point. Awesome. All right, let's see, what do we have next? Ah, Doodle for Google is back. So um, each year Google has their competition where students can create a Google Doodle. And uh, this year, the theme is I am strong because if you head out to um, the blog post here, you can get a link over to the Doodle for Google contest site. And from there, then you can get all of the details on the prizes and the judges and uh, all of the, um, the FAQs are listed there. It looks like this runs through February 26th. So still about a month to get submissions in. And uh, this is open to, I believe, all K-12 students. And they do uh, break it down, I believe, by age range as well for the prizes that are awarded. So uh, just heads up, get that on your radar if you want your kids to plug into the Doodle for Google contest this year. All right, what's up next here? So new tools for troubleshoot network and performance issues in Google Meet. So I know a lot of our students have been having issues with Google Meet. Um, I believe it was down a couple of weeks ago and we definitely felt that hit. <laughs> um, yes. But here you can go in and you can see exactly when the student had issues and what kind of um, time and all of that information. So it can really help you as an educator, um, I believe this is in, isn't this in the admin console though? Well, no, this, so you are right. There is something in the admin console, absolutely. Um, and they beefed that up quite a bit. It's very detailed now. You know, this one is actually right in your settings. So when you're in a Google Meet, um, if you go down to your settings button and you know, your little, the little three dots mm -hmm. and you go yep. up into your settings, you can now open this up while you're in the meeting and it's kind of an idea like, you know, let's say you're having, you're hearing a lot of people are struggling. You know, there's some problems with Google Meet. We can now direct our students or our staff say, hey, why don't you open up the troubleshooting section in your settings and tell me, does it look like, you know, you're having a particular problem with your computer versus your connection? So like for the computer, it'll show you, um, how much your CPU CPU usage is is going? So like maybe maybe the student is 
in the meat, but they're also playing a game at the same time. And it's, and, and it's you know, throttling their, their CPU. And maybe that's the problem. Uh, but this can show over the course of time how much their, uh, how much their processor is, is, is being used. And then it also can show their, their, their connection delay to see if they're you know, doing good or if there's been a, a, a big spike in their uh, delay for connecting. So really it's just a matter of a way for the end user to troubleshoot and be like, hmm, well, it looks good on my end. So it must be something elsewhere, you know, at least to give us and a I, little bit more details. And I like the general tips you know close yeah. your browser tabs that you don't need because right. how many teachers are like my meat's not working and you're like how many tabs do you have open and it's like you know 25 <laughs> i think i've seen yeah maybe yeah, more yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly really helpful to like have those tips um that are there for them to like go closer you know to your wi-fi um stop <laughs> yeah. playing games <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it has both of those sections. There's the system load section, and then there's also the network connectivity section. Uh, section. You can just scroll through those and then um, see how your uh, see how your system's performing, which again may help um, if people are struggling with Google Meet to identify where the issue may be. Uh, what's up next? Again, this is more of an FYI. Uh, CS first. If you're um, if you don't know about it, that's fine. But for those that do use the CS First curriculum, that is uh, the computer science curriculum, uh, coding um, curriculum from Google, just a quick heads up, it is not going away. <laughs> so it's, not, it's just not that kind of thing. Don't, don't panic, it's not going away. It's actually being uh, elevated. It's being elevated to an additional service in your G Suite um, admin console. Now you say, well, why does that matter? Well, here's the thing. Once something is in the admin console, there's always the possibility it may be turned off or on because there's a switch for everything in your um, admin console. And some folks have the admin console set so that any new additional services by default are turned off. So it's not like, oh, I didn't know Google released this new thing and my students are using it and we didn't want them to. And so in your admin console, so I'll just head over to my admin console here real quick. If I go into my admin console here and we go into our additional services, um, you'll see what I mean by that. So we'll go to our apps and we'll go to our additional services. And there's 55 services at the moment. And each one of these can be turned on or off. And so CS First, you can see, is now in there. And look at that it's turned off. <laughs> so because they finally just added it in there. Uh, it wasn't in there the other day when I was checking on it. But that's the point. You know, now that it's in there, people who've been using it all of a sudden are gonna be like, hey, I can't use CS first anymore. Why, why can't I use it? Well, it's because it went from a generic Google service to an approved additional service. So now I would need to come in here and say, I want to turn this on for everybody. And then after I turn it on, then, and it may take it a little bit, you know, but once I've got that turned on, now everybody would be able to use it. So more than anything, I just didn't want somebody who's really relying on CS First to, uh, as of February 16th, you know, be like, wait, we can't use it anymore and just not know why. So just wanted to give you guys that head up, heads up there for you. All right, good stuff. Oh, uh, and I think this is it. I think we're down to our last one here. Um, so what do we have here, Stephanie? Yeah, this last one just came out yesterday. Um, as a 
I think it's the new workspace blog post. Um, so what you're going to be able to do if in the admin console they turn this on, um, you'll be able to set custom backgrounds. And I feel like this would have been really nice. We've been doing virtual spelling bees. And one of the requests for like the virtual spelling bee was a background for the presenters. And then they had to get rid of it because they realized people in Google Meet couldn't do it um, because they do have backgrounds, but they're kind of distracting. They're not like a solid color. Right. Um, so this would have been really nice uh, for our judges to have that background so they kind of stick out and they're, um, the students are able to know who is judging them during the competition. Um, so I'm really excited about this. And it looks like you could yeah. set it by OU. Yep. So maybe you want your teachers to have it, but not your students. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that's the real key to having this roll out because up until now, correct me if I'm wrong, but as an education user, we've not had the ability to do custom backgrounds. We could use the ones that were provided, but they didn't want to allow custom images because, well, you know, what if a student puts an image behind them that's not appropriate? And so we've never had that option for the custom images, but now once this setting rolls out, um, and yes, you're right, it is by organizational unit. You could go in and say, no, 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 students cannot select custom images, but the staff OU can. Um, and it does say in here that this is available for everybody, including education customers. So I think that's what's gonna make the difference now so that using our school accounts, we can now load our own custom images if we if we turn and I this on. I think it could be really good for some lessons. Maybe you're going, you know, yeah. you're reading about the ocean. Well, let's go there. Um, let's take the kids there, and you can change the settings of your books um, as you're reading them, or as you're exploring different science topics. Maybe the yes. volcanoes behind you, and you're talking about that, or the water cycle, and then you could like point, you know. Right. So I think this could be really helpful in education. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think a lot of people were sad that we didn't have the custom option, but yeah. this was the reason why they just didn't want, they didn't want us to not have the ability to control who could and couldn't use it. Uh, this is what I was checking on today and it has not rolled out in my domain yet, uh, but when it will roll out again, you'll just go to your um, Google workspace apps. You'll go down to Google meet and you'll go into the meet settings and um, hasn't shown up yet. But once it does, the background option will just be there inside of Google Meet, inside your settings to turn that on. Awesome. Well, let's pause there for a second. Um, anything that you've seen uh, pop up in the chat that we should mention, answer, or reference before we move on? There were a couple of questions about the breakout rooms um, that popped up later. Um, is there a way to get the breakout room members to be sticky? Any way to preset breakout rooms? Um, maybe they will be rememberable in the future. And talking about like classroom rosters, currently there's no way. Um, in Google Calendar, you could invite your students and then they're like members in your classroom so you could log in 15, 20 minutes before and move them to the breakout rooms, they're just going to look grayed out, but there's no way to save it currently. Same thing yeah. with polls. I really wish you could save polls that you could reuse. Right. I mean, sounds like reasonable things to be added at some point, hopefully. Um, who knows? Maybe at that um, Google event coming up in February, maybe they'll be announcing a bunch of new things and Maybe it'll even include some of those updates. That would be awesome if that was the case. 
Uh, I see Sean uh, had uh, exactly what I was thinking in the chat. Can the custom backgrounds be animated or just static images? I was wondering the exact same thing. You know, can you do like an animated GIF? I don't know. I've never played around with the custom backgrounds yet. So I don't know if anybody has tried that on a non-EDU account, let, let us know, um, because that was one of the first things I was thinking too, when it'd be neat to have an animated background. All right, well, very good. Uh, so um, next up, we, um, we're we gonna go ahead, I think, and um, we can move into um, show and tell, but we don't have um, John Crippa with us yet. I know he's gonna be joining us. We also have a Q&A. Now, normally we hang on to Q&A for the end and try to cover as many as we can in there. Stephanie, do you know what time John's gonna be joining us? Yeah, so John is back in the classroom. He's just waiting for his lunch. He's um, out <laughs> in California. So his, it's like 11 something there, I think. I'm really good at time conversion. Um, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> And so he will be joining us around 2.15 as soon as he sends his students off for lunch. All right. Uh, do you know how long he'll be able to stay with us? I think 30 minutes. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead then. And why don't we run through some of our show and tell stuff here that we've got. And if we get through all of that before John gets here, then we can start picking off a couple Q&As. And then after he is done, then whatever Q&As we didn't get to, we'll circle back around to. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. So with show and tell, we absolutely want to encourage you guys to share your resources as well. This is a section where we share uh, neat extensions or blog posts or ideas, things that we've come across. I've got a section here and so does uh, Stephanie, but then we've got the community section here as well. And we encourage you guys to put uh, any resources in there that you would like to share. And we'll try to highlight those as well as we go. Um, so in my show and tell, I am not going to go through all of these. <laughs> Mostly these are just cool things I came across throughout the month, and I would encourage you to uh, click on these links and check some of these out. A couple of things I will mention, though. Uh, first of all, I do have some blog posts that have come out since our last meeting, since that was uh, back in November when we had our last meeting, and these include um, several new videos. Uh, that uh, I put out. Most recently, uh, the two I just did this week were on attendance templates. Now, um, you probably know that in the enterprise version of Google Meet, it does include attendance tracking. So if you have a Google Meet in the enterprise version with five or more people, when the meeting is over, you will get an email that has a CSV, comma separated values file attached, listing who attended the meeting. That's very nice, but it's just for that one meeting. You know, if you meet with the students day after day after day after day after day, you basically get a separate spreadsheet for every single meeting. So it's really not tracking it. And so what I've done here, is I went ahead and I put together um, a video that explains this. You can check it out, but I put together a template. And basically, so this is for the enterprise people. I have a separate one for the non-enterprise. Basically what happens is you will get that email message that has your attendance report and you will simply copy what's in that email message. It's the attendees and it's how long they were in there, but it doesn't include the date. It's just, well, the date's up in the, you know, the title, but you'll copy whoever was in there and you'll paste them into this template that I've created here. And you'll just keep pasting them and pasting them and pasting them so that over time you've got, you know, 
all of your all of your different days. So the 19th, the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd. So you'll paste them in and just add the date for that. Now you say, well, Eric, okay, so what's the big deal? Well, that's tab one of the spreadsheet. Tab two of the spreadsheet is a pivot table. And that pivot table grabs that date and it grabs the students and it summarizes them. So you'll see every date of the year and all the students and then whether they were attending or not, and then totals for the dates and totals for the students. So as you get those emails, you can just copy and paste them right into uh, this template and it will, and the, pivot, the pivot table will do all the work for you. Now, if you say, oh, we don't have enterprise, no problem at all. If you're not an enterprise user, I have the second link here, which is for non-enterprise folks. And it's basically the same idea. It's just that what you need to do is you need to collect the attendance from the students and then likewise have it go into a pivot table. So for this one, what I've done is I've created both a form and a spreadsheet. And so if you click on the link here, it'll make a copy of the spreadsheet and the form at the same time. It'll copy both of them for you. And basically the form is like crazy simple. All it is, is a little box to check that you're present, but the settings are set to automatically collect the student's email addresses. So basically what you do is you, grab a copy of this form and you click on the little preview button to get the link and you just make that link available to the students. So it could be in the chat, it could be in the calendar event, it could be in Google Classroom, you could just have it as a material in there. So we always know, hey guys, every time we have a class, don't forget, have you clicked the link to take attendance for yourself? Well, the point is, as the students do that, because it's automatically grabbing their email address, it just bloop, fills up that form for you. So it grabs the timestamp, it grabs their email address. And then I do have a formula in the spreadsheet that splits the timestamp into date and time, or else you can't use a pivot table because if somebody has a different time than the date, you know, if they're a, a, you know, a few seconds later, well, that's a different time. <laughs> and so it splits them apart. And then again, tab two is the pivot table. So that's it. Um, now, there are so many ways to do attendance. You know, you know, Clay has an awesome, you know, extension for that. There's so many great things out there. So this is just another option if this might work for folks. Um, so I do have those two and those are available there. Um, another one I did recently was a video on how to save the chat and captions transcript in Google Meet. And again, there are so many extensions that do this. But the one I came across that I love is called Meet Transcript. And I, I tested a bunch of them. This one really worked well. And so basically it's just an extension. You just have this extension running. And as long as the extension is running, um, what it will do is when you fire up a Google Meet, it will automatically start saving all of the live closed captions. And so as people are speaking all the way through, it just starts a Google Doc and it just starts putting the live closed captions in there. So it'll have the time, it'll have who's speaking, and we'll put all of that, it'll break all that out. At any point during the meeting, you can also click on the screenshot button that gets added to Google Meet, and it will take a screenshot and drop that right into that Google Doc as well. And at any point in the meeting, if you open up your, uh, your chat um, and you are typing anything in, in the chat, so if somebody's you know typing in the chat there, it'll also grab that and it'll add that to the document. It's fantastic. So basically, you get a you know minute by minute, second by second breakdown of who's speaking, exactly what they said, any screenshots you've taken, and a full record of all of the chat. And it's free. 
and it just saves it right to your drive. And it's simple as to be. Again, there's a whole bunch of those out there, but that one has been the smoothest that I have found uh, for that. So I've really liked that one. Um, next, hey, if you want to have some fun, <laughs> a backgammon template template. In the past, I've done a chess template and a checkers template and a battleship template. Uh, recently, I did a backgammon template. I just, I love tabletop games. Um, and uh, this is great for students who um, are, you know, maybe not face-to-face -face and they want to play a game and, you know, they're at home. Um, or even if they are face-to-face, -face, that's fine. You know, just maybe don't have a backgammon board. Well, I'll just pull it, pull up this template. Uh, and the way the template works, um, there's a slides version in there's a drawings version and it's just like you would expect you know you get a copy of the template and you you just share this with your opponent so once you get a copy of the template share it with your opponent there's a, a tab here that explains how backgammon is played and then here's the actual backgammon board now what i did do to uh simulate the dice because there's a lot of ways you could do the dice i ended up making a youtube video so i took i i, I created a youtube video that has one frame per every possible roll. And there's 36 rolls. If you got a two, two D6s, uh, six times six, there's 36 possible rolls. So um, I created a video where every frame is a different possible roll. And so it goes through all 36 frames in like 1.2 seconds, you know, because it's, you know, 30 frames a second. So basically the way it works is when you're ready to play the game, you come in and you click on the video. And what it'll do is it'll just start rolling for you. And so it's basically just ripping through all 36 possibilities every you know, second. And all you do is click the video to stop it. And that's your roll. And then you click it again and you click it again to stop it. And that's your roll. And so that's how you roll the dice. Now, there's a lot of other ways you could do that. But just for fun, uh, I went ahead and just embedded that right in there. And then you can, of course, move your pieces, you know, as you as you need. Whoops, I just unplugged my mic there. Sorry about that, guys. I unplugged my mic. <laughs> I leaned over on my mic. Um, but uh, and then you can just move your pieces around you know, as well. So anyway, um, and then uh, what else? A couple more things, I think. Um, oh, I love this one, too. Translating Google Meet uh, menus, chats and captions live. This has been shared by a number of people, and I went ahead and put together a quick video to show how this works. And the idea is that when you're in a Google Meet, <clears throat> What you can do is you can right-click anywhere inside the Google Meet window and choose Translate to English. And then when you do, it pops up this translation button in the top corner that you can click on and pick a different language. And so if I said, oh, I want to switch this to Spanish or whatever. So what I could do is make that switch inside of Google Meet, and now everything translates. The menus translate and the chats translate. When somebody types in a message and they hit enter, it translates it inside of the chat. And the closed captions translate at the bottom as well. So this is wonderful. So if you are working with somebody who's not a, a, an, an English speaker as their primary language, as long as they know how to turn this on, you could be speaking in English and they would be seeing everything you say and type in Spanish and vice versa. If they were speaking to you in a different language, you could have it turned on to translate it all into English so they could type in German, but it would show up in English for you. And so that is really nice. Um, and so put together a quick little video on how to use that. And then the last one I did do a video on originality reports. Just had never gotten around to that. It's nothing new. <laughs> We've had, had them for a long time. But if you've never used them in Google Classroom, originality reports are the plagiarism checking tool. 
that um, allows you and your students to uh, run a check on anything they've written. It compares their writing against um, the billions of web pages that are out there. And basically it comes back and gives them a report that shows any matches between what they wrote and the internet, allows them to compare what they wrote to those web pages and go out and view those web pages and see and go, hmm, I forgot to cite that or, oh boy, I better reword that. That's 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 uh, a little too close to the original. Uh, it's something students can run and you can run. You have to turn it on, but then the students can run it as well. It's not meant to be a gotcha thing. It's meant for the students to be able to run it so that they can improve stuff before they turn it in. But of course you can run it as well. It is absolutely unlimited if you've got enterprise um, uh, G Suite, but if you're using the free version of Google, it is is limited to five assignments per class. Um, so if you use the same class for a whole year, you can use it five times um, in that class. Some people, though, are doing a new class every nine weeks, and if that's the case, well, okay, you get five new assignments every nine weeks then because it's per class if you're using the free version. Shoo, there we go. So that's a bunch of stuff that um, over the last two months or so that I put out there. Uh, besides that, again, feel free to check out these, you know, things. Scroobly is an awesome tool. <laughs> Slides Mania has been putting out some really cool stuff. Uh, Self-checking pixel art. Um, uh, oh, GEG Indiana has recently relaunched. So we certainly want to say howdy to our, our friends to the West and uh, uh, congratulate them on relaunching GEG Indiana. We're hoping to have a crossover in the future and have some folks from there on here and us on there and connect with them. So I um, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to them as well. All right, Stephanie, some stuff that you might like to share. And again, if you want to take over the, the screen sharing, that's fine. I can just click on these links too. It's whatever you want me to do. Um, it's whatever is fine. But I really wanted to talk about GEG Indiana because it is an awesome group that is about to launch. I'm so excited about their group. And you are allowed to join other GEGs. You don't just have to stick with us at Ohio. Um, we love you guys, but you're allowed to be in multiple groups. And that's what's awesome about GEGs. And so I encourage you to join other groups. Um, I know I do. Um, so feel free to do that. Also, if you are in another state, or you wanna get more involved in a GEG, just let us know. Um, there's a couple states that would love to have a GEG. And I know there's so many people from out of state that watch Ohio's GEGs. Um, so just reach out and let us know and we can connect you with May and do whatever we need to do um, because GEGs are a great place to build community. Absolutely. All right, so um, I'll go ahead and share, Eric. Yeah, please do. I can uh, stop my share. Okay. All right. Can you see everything? I can see it. Okay. All right. So right here is the digital update. I just send this out to my teachers um, every Sunday morning. They get this email from me. It just has a ton of ideas of things I've saw on Twitter, um, things I've created, things other teachers have created, and it's just kind of a sharing spot. So feel free. Um, to use these resources, just know that my audience is my teachers. Um, so if there's a link that you click, um, I might not be able to share it with you, just depending on if it's um, student information and a student example that's in our district. 
Um, also, like our self-paced courses are only available to our district. So just know that. Um, but if you have any questions or need any connections, just let me know. Um, any of that information is all in there. Next up is Global GEG did a training series um, for Google trainers. So if you are looking to be a Google trainer, my friend Leslie is amazing. She's from Australia and she has organized all of these amazing training sessions to help you with your application for Google trainer. And so she has an opening and then she talks about each part of the application. So it goes into the case study. It talks about the video. It talks about new trainers, um, how to select an event, and then there's a closing. So if you are looking to apply for trainer, these videos are really good um, and very helpful. And feel free to reach out to any of those that led a session to um, ask for feedback or any advice or questions you might have, because it is a um, long process. It can be if you don't already have trainings done and completed. Um, so just another good resource if you need any information. Also, Darren White, I, he was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still here. Um, he created a book creator book to help Google um, people become Google trainers. And so with his book, it just has, his books are so beautiful. I wish I could create like Darren does. Um, right here, he talks about like level one, level two. He talks about like what your first training could be like. He gives tips and tricks in this book. So if you rather go through this, um, a great resource for you to kind of look at and can help you understand what is required of being a Google trainer. Then there's also this Google site right here um, that Leslie created. And it has all of those training resources. And if you wanna join the cohort and attend the live, you'll just click um, this link right here and you can sign up using this Google form. And every single meet that she does is a Google meet. Um, so you can collaborate and ask questions. So here's the Google form if you um, are interested in trying to get this certification. The next big thing is the coaching certificate, which is brand new. Um, so being a Google coach, it has honestly been really good for my career. I've learned a lot about the coaching cycle. I've learned how to relate with teachers. And Becky, she does a Google coach um, cohort to help and build those communities for people that are coaches because there isn't a whole lot of support. Usually if you're the coach, there's only a couple of you in your district or you're alone. And so she's created this amazing community. They have a um, chat on Google chat. They also meet up once a month. So during these meets, they talk about um, different coaching strategies. They go through um, different sessions. Susanna was there and she talked about Connect, um, Connect Hub and was able to explain how she tracks her teachers um, and how she kind of uses that stuff. There's also a book study going on. So if you are a coach in your district, this is a great resource for you. Um, Pickerington, our school district did a Smackdown. So if you wanna watch any of those three Smackdowns, they were five minute sessions each. I just linked them here if anyone was interested in reviewing and getting some ideas, those are available as well. And then, um, these are kind of fun. I had a teacher share this with me. So we all know about Bernie and his sitting. <laughs> and so she created a whole lesson plan over um, Bernie sits. 
So her students are EL and what she did is she took the pictures and the students had to take Bernie and place them in different places and then write about where he was sitting. Um, so it could be a really fun, here's like one of our school buildings and there's Bernie sitting in our school. Uh, so just a really fun activity to engage students um, and it was really relevant to what was going on in the world. And these pictures have just been cracking me up. So just a really fun lesson that she did with her students. Next slide is a really great extension that Clay um, Smith created. He goes by Clay Codes. And on here, he created a Google slide. So you have a Google slide, and then you use your voice to make it go on to the next slide. And all you have to do is say next slide, and it changes the slide for you. So I know sometimes you're presenting and there's another person presenting for you or your computer's across the room. All you have to do is use your voice and say next slide or whatever the keyword is and the slide will move ahead with your voice. So it could be really good for adaptive um, learning for students that might struggle with clicking or needing to move along, or if you're across the room. And then one of my other teachers, um, she had this great idea about using Flipgrid as a bingo game. So um, what she did is she had Flipgrid and the students created their videos. So it was, the work was on the students and they had to find a word or give clues, but they couldn't say the vocabulary word out loud. Then the students created a bingo card and they had to create their own. So they added all their vocab, well, she added their vocabulary cards and then she dragged them over. Um, they dragged them over to their bingo card. They watched the Flipgrid videos and then they played bingo while they were listening to their classmates um, give clues about the vocabulary words that they were learning. So it was a really fun activity um, and again, the template is all there for you if you want it. And then um, this growth mindset activity is um, another really good one. Um, I had a teacher that was doing her master's program on students that are gifted and not having a growth mindset. And so her goal was to get them to grow their growth mindset. So in the spring, they took a Google form assessment and once they took that assessment, they um, got their scores with Autocrat and everything is in that video directions and feel free to ask me if you have any questions. So they did this Google form, they answered all the growth mindset questions. And then once they did that, my friend Luis created this awesome Google sheet with tons of formulas and it was able to pull out students growth mindset scores to them. So then they saw it in the fall and they might have had like a fixed mindset. So here's the scorey thing. And you can see um, all of the different scores that we did. And then there's a drop down where your students would pull up. And you can see here, my mindset is fixed with some growth. And so then I would retake this in six weeks after doing some growth mindset activities. And hopefully my mindset goes up, my number goes up is the goal. And so the students really enjoyed seeing their mindset actually going up. And, um, it was interesting to tell them like, your mind can grow. Um, so it was a really fun activity for them. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, I'm still working on this. So I will create a video in the upcoming weeks if it works, um, but I, it seemed to work when I tested it out, is we're using, we're trying to get students to track their data. So we're really pushing for personalized learning in our district and it's going really well. Um, so I had a teacher and she goes, I really wanna keep making it even more personalized. So we use this um, iReady 
and students are going to look at their own report of where they're struggling, what domains they need more assistance in, and starting to take ownership of their learning. And so I set up this Google form and I put the Google form in here. Again, this is kind of uh, today's project and I wanted to share it because I'm so excited about it, but I will create more resources and organize it a little bit better for you. Um, but here the, you use Docupender. So Docupender is an extension and what you're going to do is you just click it and then you're able to pull your students um, in a folder that has all of their Google documents. So this is the end product. So Kurt Householder is one of our coaches in our district. And I can see how Kurt has been doing on all of these different assessments. And then he can go in and he could add comments. He can share this with his uh, parents. He, and then I could also make comments as the teacher. So really fun way to see like, how is Kurt doing over a period of time? And then as a teacher, I have the whole spreadsheet so I can filter all of these reports. So we created this template first and all I did was add um, this cute Canva graphic. And then I just changed the font and that was it. So it's like a blank document. What we did second was we uploaded the blank document to Google Classroom, sent it out to every student gets a copy. And then I went into Google Classroom and grabbed that folder that it creates for all assessments. And then I was able to set up DocuPinner. So it's grabbing that you do you math. And then I'm able to pull all of the names in and Kurt's the only student in that class. And so his name, all of your students' names will pop up here. And then Kurt's able to do his Google form and he can pick his name, how he's doing on his assessments. And then when he hits submit, his Google document is going to update. And you can see, see if it pulls in. And then it will update, it takes a couple minutes, and then he's able to track how he's doing over time. And then he can ask for more assistance as he might need it. Um, so really fun way for students to begin to track how they're doing on their different assessments. Um, and that's all my shares for today. Those are fantastic. Uh, I, that's the thing about these meetings. I'm always like, okay, I need another day now to go through everything that gets shared. That is absolutely wonderful. All right. Well, let me go ahead and get back to sharing the screen here. Um, thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing all of those resources. Those are fantastic. Um, we do want to talk a little bit about the community show and tell people have shared. Um, I did add one more thing in uh, because... I forgot, it's, we're almost in February. <laughs> so I did put under my blog post, an older post, but three Googly Valentines activities for kids. So um, in foresight of, uh, of, of uh, Valentine's Day coming up here, here's a link that will take you out to some activities, including a Valentine emoji rebus story template, a uh, Valentine drag and drop poetry uh, template, and a template for creating Valentine's Day cards with Google Drawings. So feel free to check those out under my blog posts there. Uh, but let's look at what you guys have been sharing. And I was kind of peeking at a couple of these, but um, if uh, Stephanie or John, if you have more details on any of these, please feel free to chime in. Uh, the first one here says my fave new extension, and I went ahead and clicked on this, and I've got to admit, this looks 
uh, really neat. So this is an extension for Google Slides called Full Screen Interactive Google Slides. Now, what it does is, you know, if you want to run a Google Slideshow, but not have it be presented, you want it to be interactive, meaning you want to drag the money around or build the snowman, you know what I mean? You know, you want to move things around. Well, you have to leave it in edit mode, which edit mode has, you know, of course, the thumbnails down the, you know, down the left hand side. Well, this extension basically just maximizes the space for the slide, it gets rid of the um, film strip down the side. And so you're still in edit mode, but it's filling up so much more of the screen. So it's just so much easier if you're presenting that um, to be able to show that so that when you're in a Google Meet, you don't have all this other stuff on the side. Instead, the students are just seeing mostly the slide. Yeah, there's a menu bar at the top, but it's done a really nice job of cleaning up and, and making more space for you. So I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. I don't know who shared that, but what a neat idea. I like that. My guess is it was Michael or Mike. I don't know if he goes by Michael or Mike, um, but he talked about it in his podcast and he was watching. I think he's still on. Yeah, he's still on. Um, so I'm sure that was his share. <laughs> oh, so good. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, now I do know the character behind this next link. So Eric Griffith, <laughs> wonderful friend of mine. Uh, Eric uh, uh, used to, uh, he and I did the State of Tech podcast <laughs> many, many years ago. Um, and uh, Eric um, has a wonderful YouTube channel uh, through, through, uh, through Mobile Tech where he uh, works. And these are his help videos. And so you can see he's got help videos on uh, Google Classroom teacher tips, Google admin tips, distance learning uh, information. And I, I, he, Eric is a, a wonderful guy. First of all, so knowledgeable, such a great job explaining things and a great sense of humor. So, you know, if you want to get, you know, some good information and I guarantee you, you're going to have a chuckle at some point during the videos as well. Uh, definitely check out uh, Eric's uh, YouTube channel through mobile tech services and the awesome help videos that he provides there. So thanks for sharing that, Eric. And then Anthony, uh, Anthony Luskry, my other partner in crime from the past, has shared a couple of neat things here. And yeah, this first one, I, I can't remember. I saw this about, about a month ago, and I try to remember where I saw it, but I came across this somewhere too. So Anthony, thank you for putting this together. What this is, is a URL hack to hide the black navigation bar in Google Slides. So if you're doing a Google Slides presentation, you get that black navigation bar at the bottom. Well, that's fine under most cases, but where we start to get frustrated is like, let's say you're using Google Slides as like a um, Bitmoji classroom or a choice board or things like that. Well, when you're doing that, what ends up happening is you've got this black bar floating at the bottom that sometimes covers up parts of the things you want the students to click on. Now, you may be really careful and try to arrange the slide so nothing gets down in that bottom left corner, but that's not always you know, practical. So if you take the link to the, um, to the publish to the web link, and you change the end of the link to preview and then um, question mark RM equals minimal. And what that does is it does a minimal um, menu system basically. And so what you end up with is the black bar is gone. It just removes that, that floating black bar. So thank you, Anthony, for sharing that. 
And I see that Mr. John Carippo has joined us. Uh, so we are going to, um, and it's perfect timing. Uh, Stephanie and I just finished our show and tell, and we just mentioned several of the community show and tell uh, features. So uh, we are going to um, go ahead and uh, uh, get John in here. Uh, Stephanie, since you manage all of our bookings, how about if I turn it over to you and you can uh, get John introduced and, and get him started here. And I will go ahead and unshare my screen so that John can take over if he wishes to share later. All right. So I am so excited to bring on our next guest. Um, he has become probably one of my really good friends and yeah, he's, he agrees. Um, so sure. it's, it's been fun to collaborate with John and steal his ideas and use them in the classroom and be like, hey, let's try this. And then um, a funny story, actually, on the, at the beginning of the year, I started talking about thin slides, like to every teacher, I'm like, hey, we should try thin slides, we should do thin slides. And maybe half of the people took me up on it. John comes in on our innovation day, five minute presentation, thin slides. And Best thing these, ever. <laughs> yeah. All these teachers were like, I'm going to try thin slides all because of John's <laughs> presentation. And here I am working hard all year long. And all they needed was John's voice to, in excitement to share it. You laid the groundwork. You so laid I'm, the groundwork. I'm excited. The vocabulary. <laughs> and then when the right thing showed up, they were like, oh, this totally makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, well, John talked about thin slides. I'm like, I've talked about it all year. <laughs> Trust me, that my, that same thing happens in my district at my school. And hi, Eric. I want to say, uh, Eric is one of my favorite hashtag oversharers. Like there, like three or four of my favorites would be like Casey Bell, massive overshare. Eric Kurtz, massive overshare. Matt Miller, massive overshare. I aspire to be at their level, but I'm I'm busy making stuff, so I don't have time to share it as much. But I, it's just nice to be synchronous with you, Eric. And I think what we're going to do now, Stephanie, is do something that's kind of a, what we call a chit chat. So I'm going to throw some stuff out. Eric and um, also our other guest, John, I would love either pushback or light bulbs when I'm sharing these slides right here. So I'm looking forward to chatting. And I do this a lot when I present. I tell people this is not a presentation. It's an experience uh, because I don't know, always don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. It's totally cool. So um, I'm just going to share a couple of visuals and then uh, make a couple of arguments for uh, taking on what I like to call the Edge of Protocols teaching lifestyle. And the base idea of the teach, Edge of Protocols teaching lifestyle is teaching better and working less. And so teaching better looks like this. You guys, there's tons and tons and tons of research that shows that since the 1950s, we're getting about the same academic product that we've always gotten. We so I, and, and I like to use analogies. Think about what kind of car you were driving in 1978, you guys. Would you accept that kind of car nowadays? Would you accept a, a Chevy Citation nowadays? You would not. Would you accept a uh, a Chrysler K car? You would not. That's because the state of the art in cars has moved forwards. Uh, a simpler analogy: Would you accept 1978 gas station coffee now? Most people would not, except for the cheapskates. They still like the 49 cent price tag. Um, look what's happened with coffee. The state of the art is advanced. And the reality of it is in teaching is we work super hard. But the state of the art is still, I talk, you guys do worksheets a lot of the time. 
um, one of the saddest things I saw all last spring when we were going into COVID mode was teacher after teacher saying, how do I edit my PDFs? And I'm like, bro, you're doing it wrong. If you're editing PDFs, you're not doing this right because here's what's going to happen. Uh, kids like John and Eric are going to rapidly figure out that we can get on Facebook or uh, uh, FaceTime and we can just copy and fill in the blanks. We cut our workload in half. Stephanie's like, that's nothing. I will sell you the answers for 49 cents a piece. Then what's even worse is I end up with an inbox that's full, right? Now I've got every time I give out an assignment, 30 in the inbox. That means I have to take time after school to grade or on the weekends and grade. And it's just, it's a, not a sustainable economy. We've just got to be honest about the fact that it's not sustainable. So the teaching better part is designing things that are pedagogically sound so that kids are doing most of the work and we're doing less of the explaining and less of the grading. And then speaking of less, we're spending less time in lesson design. We're spending less time in unit planning. We're spending less money on blank plays blank. Uh, you know, that website where you pay for worksheets, basically. So let me give you guys a scenario here. This is what I started my teaching career like. And I think if you're honest with yourself, there's still a lot of people that are kind of in this mode. I started off, I got the Harry Wong book, right? Uh, first days of school and I, I would go to the school supply store and I would buy all these worky books and then I would make copies or mimeos we were so happy when we got the risograph because it cut the price of copies and like 50 percent I would make copies 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 and then I would teach and then uh, I would I would hand out things this is because some of the kids would just not do the thing right and so then I had to uh I had to give out a quiz on Friday. I thought using a Scantron was like the coolest thing ever. And then I would end up with this on Friday, a stack of uh, hashtag uh, freaking big freaking packets. And then I would lose my Friday night. So this was, this was teaching when I started teaching in 1996. This is what I was brought into. This is what I experienced as a student all the way through. Thoughts so far. Yeah, that was about my week. I did read um, Harry Wong's <laughs> book. <laughs> it was like a requirement. First days of school, right? Yep. Eric, any thoughts? Am I am I nailing well, it in terms of oh, what yeah. what classic? Oh, yeah. Now, notice I did not say education. To me, yeah. education is a semi sacred word. I said school. Right. Yeah. This. I mean, yeah, I, I taught for seven years. I taught middle school math for the first seven years of my career. And that absolutely describes a, a lot of what that looked like. Uh, my, my big reaction, though, was to the very inappropriate comment that showed up in the chat where somebody mentioned that they weren't even born in 1978, <laughs> twisting the knife a little bit deeper into those yeah. of us who are turning grayer and grayer by the day. And I did. Want I, to thought mention, that th I thought this I was actually, a. Uh an age-friendly event. I thought so. I thought so too. I thought this was a safe space. Uh, but, uh, and I did want to mention, I owned a Chevy Citation. How did you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people did. And like I said, it was kind of the state of the art in those days. My dad, <laughs> my dad had a Chrysler uh, K car station wagon. It lit itself on fire. And uh, his mechanic told him, I think it was trying to kill itself. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was school. Now, here's where the ed tech piece and trust me, I'll get more into the protocols in a second, but I want to build my base. OK, so here's the next thing. So then things like Kahoot come out. You guys remember about three years ago, everyone's Kahoot nutty. And I like Kahoot. I have nothing against Kahoot. But what we did, and this is key, we tried to shove Kahoot into the old mix. So now teachers who are overworked, can I get a shout out for IEPs, uh, student study team, 
ASB sports. I'm going to now, on top of all this other crap that I'm doing, I'm now making cahoots. And I'm giving them to the kids in this model of, and I saw, and I think, Eric, you're a denizen of the internet. A lot of teachers say this quote, we're reviewing for the test in Kahoot. We're, we're preparing for the test in Kahoot. I'm like, you guys, no, bro, you're doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. You don't keep adding things to the pile. So this was my epiphany. This is the proto edge protocol. And I'll get into some of the googly stuff here in a second. What if... You use Quizlet, Quiz, uh, Quiz is Gimkit. My current favorite one, if you haven't seen Blook It, Eric, check out Blook It. It is most, oh my God, it's the best thing I've seen. It is the most student engagement and reaction I've seen in 25 years of teaching. How, how do you spell that? Blook It, like booklet spelled wrong. B-L-L-B-L-O-O-K-E-T. I'll put it in the chat. Now dig the magic here of my madness. Because Eric, I'm old enough that I did this on paper. Okay, I did this on paper. Here's what I'm going to do, you guys. If we're doing Latin roots or science vocab or history vocab, on Monday, the kids roll in. We do the test on Monday. I don't lecture first. I don't got time for that. I give them about 20-ish questions. Go. Let's see how you do. You know what's remarkable is I've done this in science, math, English, social studies, almost all subjects. Most of the time, the kids get about 35 or 40% right with me doing nothing. I've done nothing. And they got 40% right. You know why? They watch a Discovery Channel. They've been in fifth grade. They've, they've seen movies. They're not dumb. I don't have to go from zero to 20. So I give them the quiz. And then here's the key. I immediately break it down. And one of the reasons I like quiz is, is there's a button that says review. And so I can go through the 20 questions real quick with the kids. And this is the really fun part, Eric. Kids start doing this. Can I take notes? Oh, by all means, you may take as many notes as you want. Can I take pictures? Okay. So here's the mix. I go quiz, cold turkey, no prep. I find out what they know. They're gamers. They are not intimidated by failing the first round, you guys. If you've seen them in Minecraft, they don't care if they lose the first round. They're going to play till they win. So I do the first round. Now I go to lecture mode. Now I'm Socratic. I start giving them the mnemonic devices. We start getting the notes going. You keep your notes for tomorrow because we're going to play again tomorrow. We play immediately, play a second round. Guess what happens to scores? They're up 20 to 30 points immediately. And here's the best part, Eric. My lesson plan for tomorrow's done. Same thing. Guess what we're going to do Wednesday, Eric? Same thing. We play until the class average is about 93%. With 30 kids at 93%, that means no students miss more than three or three students have missed about one. So now when I go to grade, Eric, watch this. Hey, fill down. Done grading. There's no printout. There's no spreadsheet. I just go to Google Classroom, A, fill down. Boom, 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 boom. We're good. So this is the idea of protocols, which is kids are doing most of the work. I'm not making PowerPoints. I'm not making lectures. I'm not making photocopies. I'm not getting packets. I'm repping the kids till they win. And then this is, for any of you that are in distance learning right here, here is the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. Elementary should be doing about one or two hours a day of, of instruction. Middle school, two to three hours a day. And high school, three to four hours a day. You guys, this, is, this predates COVID. This is the National Board on Professional Teaching Standards. So we've got to get that time down and be efficient. So you can't just give a kid a packet and say, work on the packet for six hours. I'll see you tomorrow. So the thing I just described to you is a baby protocol called the fast and the curious. Okay. And here's a little, we make little recipe cards for these. One quick rep, immediate feedback, 
one more rep, watch the class average, repeat daily. So fun, so easy. My prep goes down. You guys, I have a SPED student that on the quarter final on the Latin roots, which was about a 34 question quiz, he got 122 right and five wrong. How's that? Pretty good. And that's SPED, all right? And this was a kid who had not done a lot of the work for the first couple of weeks, but through the repetitions, I got him caught up. Okay, so now here's a couple of other edge of protocols. Stephanie referenced in slides. And I don't know if you've ever even heard of this before, Eric. You might have seen it somewhere, but dig this. If you're tired of waiting two weeks for kids to turn in a crappy PowerPoint, how about this? Just have them give them three minutes to do one slide. It'll be a fairly crappy slide, but we can do it again tomorrow and we can do it again the next day and we can do it again the next day. So what we do is it's kind of like an old KWL chart. So in a KWL chart, it's what do you want to know? What do you want to learn? And what did you learn? So you go like this, one word, peristalsis, go. Every kid can use Google now on their Chromebook to find a picture of peristalsis or reverse peristalsis, which they rapidly figure out is vomiting. That's funny, dude. I don't need to do a lecture on this, okay? So I go, okay, best reverse peristalsis, GIF. You got three minutes, go. Um, complementary angle, molarity. I've got teachers, Eric, using this concept at the AP level. And the basic concept is this. One picture, one word, three minutes, go. At the end, every student shares for four seconds. They make a claim or an observation. Why did you pick this one? What did you notice? You can do a note, notice, note, and wonder kind of activity. It's incredible. The kids are creating. The prep time is almost nothing. Everybody participates. If you're doing this in distance learning, Google Slides are great. And then if you look at my slide right now, if you go to GridView, I know you've probably done 50 lessons on GridView, Eric, but I, I'm surprised how many teachers don't know this. If you click on GridView, you can see all the kids' slides at once, you guys, just by clicking on GridView. It's super powerful. And then you go back to single view. Watch this, three minutes to build a slide, four seconds a piece to present. In under seven minutes, every kid has made a slide and presented. And then Stephanie, I think we talked about this last time, but there's a neat upgrade that uh, Kim Vogie and I built, which is the Thin Slide Study Guide. And the Thin Slide Study Guide, guide goes like this. Uh, Eric, how many times have you spent a weekend building a sweet set of slides for review and the kids could care less? Well, I understand. Yeah. So here's what we do. Monday, everybody gets a defined vocabulary word. So let's say there's 20 vocab words for the history quiz. Every kid gets a predefined word. So there's 20 different words. Monday, we do a thin slide on your pre-designed word. Tuesday, Eric redesigns Stephanie's slide. Stephanie redesigns uh, John's slide. We all swap slides. Wednesday, we do a third round. And here's what's cool. On Wednesday, when John is doing Stephanie and Eric slides, they have approval rights. Did he do it right or not? They can accept or deny his changes. So really easy iteration. And here's the wrinkle. What's my prep time, Eric? I need a slide deck with the 20 words. Go. And if you do a Nearpod or Pear Deck, you can design all of your slides in Nearpod or Pear Deck. And all you've got to do is add a button that says draw it. And you don't need Cami. You just hit draw it and you watch them work in real time and your inbox does not fill up. So this is this teach better, work less mindset. So some of you are saying, John, this is great, but it seems really low level. 
totally agree. These are like DOK point eight. I'm not even sure there are one, but you can do them two or three times a day. The loads on the kids, the creativity is there. Now I'm going to take us up to more like a DOK two or three. This is the cyber sandwich. It was invented by my uh, co-author Marlena Heber. Dig this. Instead of doing a think pair share, well, let's be honest on think pair share. When you're done, you have nothing. The kids talked. You terrified them with poker chips or popsicle sticks. But in terms of product, all you've got is this usually. So a cyber sandwich is this. And have you seen this one before, Eric? Cyber sandwich? No, I haven't. Okay. So just be, be the every man in the street and let me blow your mind. Okay. Five slides. Eric is on slide one. Stephanie's on slide two. Okay. On slide one, Eric, there's a link to an article and you have to get me four or five facts. It could be three bold words. It could be key concept. It could be get a quote. I can make it less things or more things. It could be avid wicker style. It could be um, note and notice any framework, but basically you and Stephanie are each making one slide with notes and it's silent. When you're done, I move you guys to the Venn diagram and you guys make us, you, you compare your notes and now you can talk all you want. This works great in breakout rooms. So you can say, did you see this? No. Did you see that? Did, no. Did you see this? No. And I can give you two different articles. One can be one story about George Washington. Another could be a different story about George Washington. Now you're comparing how many Marzanos do we have going? Five or six Marzano skills. Okay. Now I come in as the, the, the uh, Socratic seminar and I clean up each group. Uh, Stephanie and Eric, tell me three things you had in common. Oh my gosh, those are really good. John, an unnamed student, how did you do? And then we wrap it up by writing a paragraph on what you learned. Now the paragraph can be response to literature. It can be step-by-step -step instructions. It can be opinion. It can be persuasive. That last piece can be anything I want. But what's my prep time, Eric? All I got to do is change the links and tomorrow's ready. All I got to do is change the links and I'm ready. We actually have a primary version of this Marlena made called uh, PB&J. So in a PB&J, the teacher does all the modeling or reading or plays a video and the kids talk and the teacher writes down their thoughts in a Venn diagram for all the K1s or K2s together. And at the end, each kid makes an assertion or a claim based on what they learned. Totally facilitated for smaller groups. Um, I've seen this modeled with adults. I've done this with superintendents. I've seen it in AP classes and I've seen it in, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth. It's a super powerful workflow. John, I just had a, a comment. I think um, in listening to uh, at FETC today, they were talking about, um, actually it was yesterday, Eric Schilling was talking about blended learning versus um, blended instruction. And I mm. think the hallmark was that if we look at all of these things you've been talking about now, and we asked ourselves the question, what it is, what is it the students are doing? What are they actually doing? Yep. Now, in That's most the of the, in, in your traditional model that, that you brought up first, what they're doing is sitting and listening and writing notes. But in this, they're creating something, they're making something. And I think that that's, that's the key thing that we need to be always uh, aiming it at what it is that the students yeah. are going to be doing, what skills they're developing, uh, not so much what they know, but what they can do. Yes, I would agree. I like to use the word grappling, right? Because we get a lot of divergent answers. I get a lot of teachable moments out of this model. Like, hey, Cripple, why did that happen? And the things as an adult that I don't process that way because I'm not seeing it for the first time ever. And I go, oh, I'm glad you asked. Did you know about this? And then instructionally, that can set up my cyber sandwich for tomorrow. 
So I'm, there's tons of teachable moments. And I love that blended instruction thing. I think you're right. Blended learning tended to be, here's a Chromebook and Khan Academy, blended learning. But what we really want is blended instruction, right? And, and no offense to Khan Academy, I'm using Khan Academy, but that is not the limits of our pedagogy. Now, this one is on the opposite end of the spectrum. And how do you like, so how do you like Cyber Sandwich so far, Eric? Good. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. Simple, easy, yeah. replicable. Now, here's Sketch and Tell. Sketch and Tell is on the opposite end of the spectrum from Thin Slides. In Sketch and Tell, what happens, and I'll put this example up from uh, Stacy Young. In Sketch and Tell, what happens is the kids read or watch a video, and then they model what they learned and write a paragraph. But Google Images are verboten. You may not use, you have to draw or model your learning. Okay, so and I always love pointing this out. I have no idea what's going on with this guy right here. This was a lesson about uh, Shinto shrines and uh, ancient Japanese religion. I want to know more about what's going on with the dude with the hair. And how quickly can I scan this and realize that the kids are on the right track, you guys? Right. So this is this quick feedback. I see it and we're good to go. This is by a really cool teacher. If you don't follow Stacy Young, Y-U-N-G. This is actually in Pear Deck. And so her prep time for this is literally go like this. I need a link to what they're going to read about. I need a link to a quick video and I need a blank slide that says draw what you learned today. Um, let's see what else. We've got Iron Chef is another fun edgy protocol that is a lot like a good old jigsaw. It's similar to what I described in Cyber Sandwich, except each kid gets one slide in a group of five. They get 10 minutes to build their slide. And then each group presents in two minutes. You guys in under 30 minutes. Each kid has made a slide and all groups have presented. And to your point, John, who's doing the work? Not me, bro. I'm walking around drinking coffee. They're grappling with the issue. They're having to build visual knowledge and textual knowledge. So that's a really, really fun option. This one, I'm going to go a little crazy. I've got, and Stephanie, no cheating. Uh, I've got a, a seasoned educators in here. I'm going to highlight this uh, graphic right here. This is from Dr. Scott Petrie's class down in LA. See the box I'm drawing. This is an AP magnet school. Eric, how many class periods do you think it took the kids to make that graphic? Just throw out a number. Well, I'm going to be optimistic and say one. Okay. John, what do you think? How many class periods? I kind of agree with Eric, but... Um... Okay, next question. Do you think they did this at the beginning or the end of the unit? Well, I mean, it would, look, it would look like they would do it at the end. That would be the, the natural this, thought. This is the first half hour of the unit. Half an hour. See this one on the French Revolution? Half an hour. And Scott noted this here, jigsaw teaching is number seven on Hattie's list of 256 most effective. This is called number mania. Eric, I know how your brain works from a distance. I watch your stuff. I love your stuff. Watch what Marlena came up with. Why do we give kids a list of 30 things to do and every kid is getting the same 30 things? Marlena does this, one Google form with three questions, your name, your fact, your number. Every kid submits one question on the Google form, your number and your facts. So if we were doing Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, the Japanese attacked. 378 is the number. How many Japanese planes? Six. How many aircraft carriers did the Japanese use? Six. So that Google form is dumping, of course, to a Google spreadsheet. The kids in here, they went to Wikipedia. 
they found facts about Stalingrad. In about five minutes, they generated 30 facts as a class, collaborative work. And then they went back into that spreadsheet and they grabbed facts out. And then what Scott and I do that's really cool, you guys, this is a really neat trick. And I wish I could remember where I saw it first. But my favorite one was from a person named Megan Johan. Watch what happens when I zoom out. I can put a bunch of graphics out in this outer area. So the reason they were able to do it so fast, and you can really see this on the um, French Revolution one. These are all from the noun project. The teacher had pre-staged the graphics. So the kids just dragged them in. And there's a couple cool ways to do this. Shout out to Marlena. She also showed me one. The only thing I don't like about the noun project is that um, for the noun project, you've got to have the kids have to log in, which for the younger grades can be tricky. There's another one called flat icon. So imagine if we were doing this on the Battle of Bunker Hill, I would have a, a, a tricorn, I would have some soldiers, I would have some cannons, they would be pre-positioned in the margin, the kids would get their five facts and drag these in. Boom, 30 minutes, you guys, 30 minutes for that kind of work. And it's to start the lesson. There is not a big lecture before this. This is kids going out there. Scott takes it this far. He even has his kids do an annotated bibliography when they start doing these independently. Look at the Battle of Leyte Gulf here. Under one class period to crank this out. So super fast. So, oh, there's the bell. Five minutes to go. Um, that's a little bit about protocols. And um, I'm going to stop the share right now, if that's okay. And then see if you guys have some more questions or if that generated some uh, you know, ideation. And then I love pushback because I'm sure that there are people going, this is great, except for this is great, except I wonder about um, while you guys are processing that question. Remember, edge protocols are free. You can go to edgeprotocols.com and get all these templates in a Google format or in a Microsoft format. And um, we love sharing them. The hashtag is edu protocols, edu protocols. And uh, we're more than happy to share those with people for free all the time. So how about some Q&A now? I was just going to say, I like uh, the last one. And I was thinking, how could we use that whole idea of making an infographic and incorporate that into professional learning opportunities? Because I think teachers would enjoy that just as much as the kids would. Okay, so that's, you brought up a really good point, John, which is here's one of our big rules. Your first edge of protocol uh, that you do Every time you do a new one, you want to do about three reps that are just for fun because you're talking about dual processing and it's hard for people to learn content and uh, process at the same time. So what we do on the first round, what I do with adults when I'm training them how to do number mania, we do it on donuts because their cognitive load is low. They can put all their energy into being creative or we'll do it on the history of coffee. So if you open up a Wikipedia page with donuts or coffee, oh my gosh, there are numbers for days. So to your point, John, yeah, this works great for PD. And like I said, the way we, the way we make that easier for teachers is do it on something silly. Do it on Lady Gaga. Do it on um, the Care Bears. Do it on uh, you know anything like that. As long as you can find a web page with 20 or 30 facts, you're good to go. And I've done this myself. Uh, I have not done this with my sixth graders yet this year. We've had a crazy year being in and out. But I've done demos with seventh graders that had basically a similar result. The kids didn't even know me. We did one of these on um, the American Revolution and 27 minutes from they not knowing me at all to having produced a product like this. 
But back to your point, I always let people do the first two or three rounds for fun. And then we get, we get technical after they're stable, if that makes sense. I think I actually learned that from Venn diagrams. I had some sophomores in high school and I said, here's a Venn diagram, Big Mac Whopper go. And they literally couldn't do it. You guys. And I was like, Oh, wow. Wow. They don't understand the plan. So there's no way I can do Henry the eighth versus Othello at this point, because they don't even know how to do a fun. I was like, okay, never mind. Let's do Nike and Adidas. And they're like, so what do we put? I was like, Oh, (laughs) they both have logos. They both have laces. They're both made out of leather. (laughs) Come on. And they're like, what? But they have been so bedraggled by doing Venn diagrams wrong that their mindset towards Venn diagrams was negative. And if you're, if you think I'm wrong, you guys walk into your classroom or your virtual classroom, post a Venn diagram and see what the crowd response is. Cause most of the time the kids will make this noise. Oh, I hate these. Like, how can you hate Venn diagrams? That's how you pick your prom date. That's how you pick Chevy citation or AMC pacer. That's how you, that's how you pick your visa card. That's how you pick a uh, pink or purple for the wedding. Like this Venn diagrams are a basic human thought process. Yeah. I love that John about uh, when you introduce something, making it kind of fun. Um, I, when I do uh, Google drawings for graphic organizers, right. Right. Um, I do a Venn diagram with Batman and Superman, you know, yeah. so I don't try to do something highly oh. educational. It's something fun that yeah. everybody can start contributing. And to. then the kids are geeked, right? They're like, they're doing we're getting compare, great for this. Compare oh, and, yeah. contrast, oh, yeah. and then they get used to the idea of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, we did have some folks asking in the chat if there be a way to get an act get, to get access to the slide deck that you use oh, sure. today. How about I put um, it in the chat right now? You could do that and then we can throw it over into the agenda for folks, you know, whatever it, works boss. best for you. That would for be the fantastic. record, not like I can't out prolific you, Eric, cause you got me whooped, but uh, <laughs> I have probably 300 slide decks. So if people want a slide deck, I got that. It's not a competition. We're, oh, I don't mean it that way. I'm just trying to. <laughs> we're all I'm just paying the paying the proper homage for uh, your willingness to oh share. Oh my God, yeah. No, but that's the thing. You know, we're all. That's what I love. Those is I love that mindset of we're educators and we are here to to learn, to share, to build upon what others have done. And again, I have absolutely no problem with folks who do want to use the teachers pay teacher model, whatever. Hey, do, do you do you? But at it's the same phase. time, I appreciate people who are like, listen, I have learned so much. Anything I've ever created, I've been inspired by somebody else. Nothing is original. I mean, we're always learning and building on others and then people can learn and build on us. So thank you for how much you share and for making so much stuff available for free to people. That is phenomenal. Got and I just, I just taking time out of your day in the middle of all of this. Literally <laughs> getting ready to eat lunch. I know. <laughs> Gas station lunch today. Oh man. Well, at least it's not gas station sushi. I mean, no. at least you... <laughs> yeah, I draw the line at grocery store sushi. I don't go below. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thanks for inviting me on. John, you guys. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And we put a bunch of links in the agenda to your stuff as well. So people right can on. get plugged into that and we appreciate it so very much. For and also business. John does an edu protocol, um, random pop-ups where other educators lead session on these protocols. Oh yeah. There's one in February, but I'm pretty sure it's already full. It's pretty sold out. That's Edge Protocols yeah. worldwide. We're doing one in February. We'll be doing another one in eh, probably May-ish. And uh, yeah, we had uh, 400 people sign up in six hours this last time. So they love the sharing. They love to share. 
And so look for those and he records all those videos, all the educators record their videos. And so then you can look on the Edu Protocol um, YouTube channel to rewatch and explore more because it was a lot of information all at once during this session. So then you can get on and really dig into one protocol, master it, and then do the reps a couple times, learn a new one, and then keep going. Yep. And he just put the link for the video, so I will add it to the show notes. Or the yeah, there's a YouTube channel, but if you just go to eduprotocols.com slash worldwide, it'll give you the background of what Stephanie was sharing. Thanks very much, you guys. All I right. got a bounce. Thank you, hey, thanks Nice so to hang much. out with you, John, in particular. I like where you're coming from, brother. You got the right <laughs> idea. And I want to come visit your swanky flat. <laughs> Might be able to see some of my friends here. <laughs> okay. See you guys later. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, hey, guys, we were going to we'll head back to the tail end of our, uh, our meeting here. Let me share my screen again here. And here we go. All right. So uh, that was so great. Uh, I'm so glad that John was able to, to join us uh, today. Um, we do have just a few minutes left before we hit our two-hour mark. We always try to keep this within uh, two hours. Uh, and so the last thing we're going to do is take a quick look at Q&A. Um, we usually aren't able to get through everything in there, but if we can cover a few things, we will. While we're taking a look at that, um, Stephanie, John, if you guys have anything else to add or share, please feel free to do so. If anything else came up in the chat that we need to address, that would be great. Um, so looking down through the Q&A, um, a couple of things um, that might be worth mentioning here. Uh, there was a question about, have we heard any more about Google Expeditions? You know, we know that it is, you know, being, being discontinued this summer, you know, could the content live somewhere else? And unfortunately, no, we're not aware of anything where, uh, other than the content being moved over to Google Arts and Culture, but to be able to run and you know host the expeditions, unfortunately, no. The big you know thing is that you know um, sometimes Google has been able to hand off a uh, a project to other people, kind of like with Science Journal, they gave that to Arduino to pick up and run with it. Uh, but I think Google Expeditions is just a little too complicated, a little too much involved in it um, for that to happen. So I'm um, sorry, we don't have any good answers on that. No good news. Um, other things in the Q&A, there was a question about, is there a Google template for a booklet? And Chris Baker was happy to share one of those. Somebody else suggested Canva might be a good place to go. Um, although it's not a booklet, I do have a Google template for a greeting card, which you could kind of, you know, look at that idea and modify it. And that shows up in that blog post I put about the Google Valentine's Day activities. And that's what made me think about that again, is there's a, a template in there for a greeting card that you're going to fold, you know, as, as you make that. Um, let's see, there was a question about sorting YouTube playlists alphabetically. Sounded like no was the answer on that. Um, let's see, what else do we have here that might be worth touching on? Oh, somebody was asking about creating labels or envelopes. And as people move from Office into G Suite, totally get that. You know, that's something that, you know, is really easy to do. And Word built right into creating labels. Do see some great suggestions here from people about uh, using the Avery website where they can import Google Sheets right into there. Um, and then Autocrat was mentioned for things that are maybe not just labels, and I did go ahead and throw in my tutorial uh, about Autocrat. If you have not used that, that is a great mail merge tool. 
There was a comment, a question here about adding voice recordings to a Google form and a lot of different suggestions on that. So the short answer is, I mean, there's nothing built into Google forms that would uh, add a voice recording. Certainly you can add a link, but I understand they were saying they don't want them to click a link and then go out somewhere else. Um, and so a lot of things got shared here. Um, one thing I had mentioned was, you know, using a tool like, like read and write, if it's just something where you want the text to be read aloud, as opposed to a separate voice recording that may have content different than the form. But if it's really just, oh, no, no, we just want the questions in the form to be able to be read aloud. Uh, keep in mind, read and write is totally free as far as the text to speech goes. There's no cost whatsoever for that. So it's just a Chrome extension. The student can have any part or the entire form read aloud to them in you know, one of 100 different voices. And there's lots of other tools listed in here as well. Thank you guys so much for how many people suggested things like moat and natural reader and talk and comment, a lot of great stuff there. And then the question came up about locked mode. You know, can you do text to speech in locked mode? And some things do work in locked mode. Remember locked mode for a Chromebook is where when you run a Google form in locked mode, the student can't leave the form, open up another tab, go Google something, come back with the answer. It also blocks a lot of extensions and so forth. Read and write though, which I had mentioned earlier, does work in locked mode. They do have a, um, a PDF here that explains that. Uh, Google did, um, has approved certain extensions to function while you're in locked mode and read and write is one of those extensions. So it will still uh, do that. Although I see somebody is typing something about unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure. Eric, I was just going to mention, um, I think there was a discussion about this in the Google group. Uh, I think it was earlier this week. And uh, just to remind everybody that the Google group is a great place. If you've got a question, uh, that there are, like you said, 900 of us oh, out there that yes. might know the answer. And so it's a great place. Don't be afraid All to right. post a question in there. Uh, it looks like there's something has changed, though. It says, unfortunately, it doesn't anymore. So I don't know. Um, I am not aware of that. If there's more detail somebody has, feel free to share that. And I don't know if that's a temporary thing, if that's something that needs to get adjusted. But that is sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, as we're getting close to the end, um, Stephanie, John, let me turn it back over to you guys. Any other uh, things you would like to share as we start to wrap up? I just want to say thank you to our members. Um, this answer sheet just shows how much you guys are willing to support each other. And especially in the Google group, I just love looking at it. And I'm like, oh, someone's already answered that question. So keep sharing, keep reaching out and thank you. And also, if you know someone that you would like to see um, on our show and tell, feel free to just let me know. And I will ask, I'm not afraid of no's. Um, so if they say no, they say no, but just let me know if there's someone that you would like to see at a GEG Ohio meeting and we can ask. And then don't forget to fill out that town hall um, Google form. Absolutely. Well, it looks like our next meeting is February 25th, at least tentatively. Uh, sometimes we adjust them if it turns out there's some conflicts, but at the moment it looks like our next planned meeting is February 25th, uh, one o'clock as well. We'll get the agenda added in there um, uh, shortly so people can start contributing to that ahead of time. Uh, what I'd like to do as we start to wrap up though is just a couple quick reminders. One is if you haven't signed in for the meeting yet, you still can do that. That way I can send you a certificate of attendance. 
That is on page two of the agenda under important links highlighted in green. You'll see the link for the sign-in form. Um, I'll then take that. And speaking of Autocrat, I'll use Autocrat to generate some PDF um, certificates of attendance and get those emailed out to you guys for this. And piggybacking on what Stephanie said about uh, joining the Google group um, under the updates, you will see join the new GEG Ohio Google group. So you can bump that number up. Let's get that over a thousand. That'd be awesome. Uh, you can join that email distribution group to be able to ask questions and share resources and stay connected to everybody in between. Um, other than that, um, I think that does get us to the end. And I want to thank everybody so very much for being a part of our meeting today. As always, um, definitely feel free to share this out. Remember, this is uh, being recorded. So later on, um, I will post this on my Control Alt Achieve site. What I um, always try to do shortly after the meeting is um, add that in. And so when you go to the site, um, for example, if we go back to uh, November, you'll see how I kind of do that. So um, there'll be um, the link to the video there and the link to the uh, to the agenda as well so that people can uh, connect to that. And Stephanie, you're still doing um, the uh, podcast version of this as well. If you look under the important links, you'll see a link to the, uh, the pot. Looks like something, oops, looks like we may have had something pop in the middle of that link. We may want to double check our link there. I think That's accidentally cool. something got uh, Got uh, got pasted in the middle of it there, uh, but that's another great way to uh, be able to hear the meet uh, the meeting if you're not able to attend live or watch the video afterwards. All right, guys. Well, again, thank you so very much, and thanks Stephanie and John, and uh, a big thanks again to John Crippo for being able to join us today. And we will see you guys next month, and perhaps at uh, some you know virtually online <laughs> some o some OETC sessions. All right, take care, everybody. Have a fantastic day.